Welcome to Blackness in the Workplace, the podcast. The mission of Blackness in the Workplace is to empower Black professionals by providing resources, guidance, and support within a safe space to speak truth to power about the uniqueness of our shared experiences and identities. I am your host, as well as founder of Blackness in the Workplace, Jessica, and I got something to say. So welcome, and let's get the show started. So for this episode, we are going to be continuing our conversation about Black Lives Matter, performative allyship, and corporate America. So today I have Lauren Feaster. Um, Lauren Feaster humbly serves as the newly appointed Chief Executive Officer of Professional Dimensions, a leading women's professional association in the Milwaukee area, whose mission is to unite women leaders in the relentless pursuit of better, Prior to joining Professional Dimensions, Lauren served in various executive capacities within the nonprofit education realm, both with City Year Milwaukee and Teach for America Milwaukee. During her tenure, she has led community partnerships, fundraising, staff management and coaching, training, program evaluation, strategic planning, and business operations. As an advocate for youth education and collective impact, Lauren has remained engaged in community through her service on the City Year's Regional Board, the Leaders Uniting Transformation Board, as well as the co-chair of the K-12 Civic Response Team via the Milwaukee County, um, the Greater Milwaukee County Foundation. Additionally, she works to inspire leadership as a member of the Milwaukee Urban League, Global Shapers, and Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority. Lauren holds a Bachelor's of Science from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and is currently pursuing her Master's in Character Education. So welcome, Lauren. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. All right, perfect. So what I want to do is just ask you, how's 2020 treating you so far? 2020 is, um, is, has been a rough one. Um, it's also been one of um, a lot of joy, too. So I think just hearing the reality that we're experiencing a lot of grief in these moments, uh, navigating a, a space while holding multiple realities. Yeah, definitely. 2020 has been a very challenging year for a lot of people. Um, you know, for me, I try not to be the person that complains. You know, right now, I still have my employment. I still have my health. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. you know what I'm saying? Like, all, all the Absolutely. things that so many people need right now, I have that. So, I just look at it like I'm blessed. And that's all you can do. And you have to ride it to the end. But yep. I know for a lot of people, this has just been a very challenging year. Absolutely. But, you know, in addition to, you know, you had the pandemic, you got the election that's coming up. So, but one thing, and it's obviously the topic of this conversation is, you know, this renewal of the Black Lives Matter movement. And you're seeing so many changes happening all at one time, coming from all different areas of society. Um, so it is, it's a big movement that we're seeing right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm seeing a lot of companies talking about Black Lives Matter and supporting the movement through various Mm -hmm. things. So as you, as a Black woman looking at this and looking at these changes, do you feel like there is a sincere effort behind what's happening here? How do you feel about companies suddenly kind of taking on the Black Lives Matter mantle? Yeah, um, I'm not mad at anyone for taking the first step. I'll I'll say that. Um, It's not always, I mean, I I don't always see it as the best use of time to, to, determine how sincere someone is um, in their statements. Usually we have to realize that we live in America 
Um, we live in a place where racism is embedded in every one of our systems and organizations and where we all have a responsibility to assess our actions. Um, I do think that people are at different places on this journey. That's a step, that's a step in the right direction, even if it's a, a creep and, mm -hmm. and then use that as like our gateway to continue to build what we need to build um, off of that. I mean, I definitely agree with you in terms of we don't have the time to kind of look at every single company and being like, well, are you sincere or not? And now me personally, and, yeah. I, and I've been very clear about where I stand. I mean, I think it's very interesting that there have been companies who for years would not touch Black Lives Matter. It was sort of a Absolutely. pariah. Absolutely. And, and, yep. and then now all of a sudden, you know, it's Black Lives Matter. And it's Absolutely. like, well, what happened? I mean, it's been Black Lives Matter for years now. You know, why are you just now jumping on the bandwagon? Right. I right. think I think there are some companies who have been sincere only because they've been doing the work. And then I also think there's companies who are doing it just for clout. And I also think there's companies who are realizing the error of their ways to some extent and, and maybe mm -hmm. working towards that. You know, it's interesting because the person that I had on prior who talked about the same, the same thing, she said that companies really should not be proclaiming Black Lives Matter until after they have gotten permission from their Black employees. And so she reasoned that the, the reason why companies should do that is because and you're, you're seeing this in the media where companies are being called out for their internal racism and then for them to be yes. saying Black Lives Matter and then their employees are coming back and saying, since when? Like, since when? <laughs> like, yeah. We've been working here and we're dealing with this, that, and the other. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely it. And like, that's literally creating a space for employees to say like, since when? Okay, you're saying this. So like, glad you said it. Great. Now like show us what that means. And also it's not our responsibility as all the black employees to then like become your DNI people. What I would want to see at companies is like, well, how, well, where are the black people that you've hired whose lives matter? And what are they saying about this? I'm not going to say like, don't say it because I'd rather you say it than not. Even if it's like, even if, even if you're, even if this is the beginning of your journey. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I think a lot of companies and people too need to understand that you know it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Right. And I think right. that's where a lot of companies and people are getting tripped up at. It's like, no, 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 no. You it's not enough for you to, you know, put something out, a memo or to post a picture on your Instagram or your Twitter or what have you you know, you're going to be called to account for years. You know, this is going to take a yep. long time and there's going to be a lot of systemic changes that people are asking for. And, these, and what I see personally is a lot of um, what I call surface level changes where like, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're canceling TV shows. They got rid of Jemima. Um, right. You know, they're doing things that, things that they really should have done a long time ago, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's still very surface level. And, but what's being asked of companies is no, we want to see systemic changes. We want to see you hire more qualified mm -hmm. black people. We want you, we want to see you actually nurture that talent because you have companies who are very, you know, into DNI, you know, diversity and inclusion. They focus more mm -hmm. on the D part because they see it yep. more as a quota and we, you and I both, we, we talked about this before. We both went to UW-Madison. That's how we know each other. We both right, were right. part of that documentary that a mutual friend of ours that's created right. about a Black experience. That's right, that's and, right. and so a lot of what happened there was that. It was like, hey, let's get all the Black students in. But then they couldn't keep anybody and people were miserable mm -hmm. because they yep. weren't focusing on the inclusion part. It's like, it's not enough yep. to bring people in. You have to welcome them. You have to nurture yep. them. You have to grow yep. them.
<laughs> so I, I see mm-hmm. that being an issue too. So now with that being said, going into, you know, performative allyship, um, someone call it the performative allyship industrial complex. This was what okay. this person wrote. And I was, I never thought of it that way before, but in your opinion, um, you know, you, we talk about companies who are very like, Hey, black lives matter. And then is that it? Is that enough? Did I do good? So right. what do you define as performative allyship? What, what are some of the issues that you have with people who, who are claiming themselves to be allies? Well, one, you can't make yourself an ally. The marginalized, that's something that they kind of have to proclaim on whether or not somebody is an ally or not. You're not just going to sign up and say, like, I'm an ally. Um, right. If you seek to support um, and uplift a community um, and advance a cause and think about how you can make your company anti-racist, and look at how white supremacy is upheld within your organization and do that work. Like that's, that's going to look different for everybody, but like, that's what needs to happen. There's not enough um, reflection and pausing and elevating of black voices um, and deference to black decisions that, that to me, that's like a step in that direction, but you can't just come out and proclaim it yourself. You can say, I aspire to be this type of person. I aspire to be a more equity driven, justice driven um, fair and good human. Um, I think that that's, I would want people to do that, to just come out and say that you're, you're an ally is not, um, it, 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 it lacks a bit of humility. Yeah. Um, so I, I really like that. I think a lot of people don't understand that you don't give yourself the labels, just like your, your mom, you didn't pick your name when you were born, your mom gave your name. So you can't just mm-hmm. say I'm an ally. You have to be chosen by that people mm-hmm. to be an ally. Mm-hmm. And another issue that I see with a lot of the white allies out here is that they get very sensitive when they're called to account. Yeah. Like part of being right. an ally is being held accountable for your own problematic behaviors and your own thoughts. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. if you can't acknowledge your own BS and, mm-hmm. and, then that's a problem. And then you have allies who continuously center themselves in our right. own narratives. And yeah. again, to be an ally, you have to be able to step to the side, you have to listen, and you have to be able to hold yourself accountable mm-hmm. without getting offended. There's right. so many people who I've dealt with when they're saying that they're an ally, and I'm pushing back on some of the things that they're saying, and then they get offended. And it's like, yeah. I thought you were an ally. You know, I'm, I'm helping yeah. you evolve. So why are you pushing back? But and then yeah. that becomes a problem too, is that, hey, you know, they don't want to be held accountable. And so if you don't yeah. want to be held accountable. There's a lot of, yeah. right. There's, there's a lot of guilt and fragility that comes oh, yeah. with the work. And I feel like, I'm not going to tell you how to feel. Like if you feel, if you feel that's a good thing, maybe that's empathy and sympathy and, and um, compassion, but it's about what you do with those feelings. And like, like you're not, you need to understand the privilege that you have to even cry those tears and pause and reflect because mm-hmm. the, the harm is not happening to your people in the way that it's happening to mine. So, and then you only, you have a little bit of time to do that. And then like, you need to get into it. And I don't see what's so difficult about closing your mouth and just listening um, and elevating somebody else's voice and, and um, promoting someone and supporting someone. I'm sure you can figure out how to make every single one of your black employees feel welcome. Mm-hmm. I just, I just don't see that as like a very difficult task. Um, I, yeah. I, I think too, with that being said, you know, my, you know, I was going to ask, like, how do you think companies can start incorporating the ideas of Black Lives Matter? There's a perception that we just talking about 
the legal aspect of black people, yeah. the police and things like that. But Black Lives Matter is very all encompassing. We have issues when it comes to quality education, um, access to financing, equal housing, health care. I mean, all of those things fall under the umbrella of Black Lives Matter. And it goes back to what we were talking about in the corporate sense is that you have companies are, you know, I, I've talked to quite a few black people who have been put in DNI positions at their companies, mm-hmm. whether willing or unwilling, but those who are willing, the struggles that they're having is that, Hey, I don't have resources. I don't have the support that I need. I feel like I'm only here kind of as a token, as a prop yep. to just yep. say, and I actually had a woman reach out to me and I'm not going to name the company that she is from, but it's a big name company. And she messaged mm-hmm. me and she said, you know, I am part of the C-suite. And yet I feel very alienated because I feel like the resources that I need are not, they're not given to me and yeah. my work is not considered important internally, but externally we're saying mm-hmm. black lives matter and we're saying equality matters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my own personal experience, it's not enough just to get people of color in the door and say, Hey, okay, you know, here's yeah, your absolutely. job. It's not that when we talk about inclusion, you mentioned it before we have to talk about equity. And equity yep. is, that's where the systemic changes are going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And so in your opinion, when we talk about equity, just kind of going into more detail, what would you like to see companies do in terms of get, providing that equity? We you know we got the diversity, you know, we're going to be working on the inclusion, but equity, what do you see as being equitable in the workplace? Yeah, I think so. Equity and the idea of giving people what they need, not just giving everybody the same thing. Mm-hmm that at your at your CEO level you need to recognize that things are not equitable like that needs to be named that needs to be named and that needs to be more deeply explored if you feel like you can do that on your own and do that on your own but I would also say that there probably needs to be some type of executive like support um, and all things trickle down through organizations and so it has to be the CEO and it has to be the direct reports to the CEO that are like really saying something needs to look different here and you need to pay compensate any black person that is helping with this work. Yes. Uh, whether they <laughs> or not, they need to be compensated for that time. So that's something to consider. Um, one of the, like something I'd be doing is looking at different resources that exist around just like white supremacy and how those um, different habits ha- live out um, unconsciously and consciously within the system that you're working in. It yeah. starts, like it starts with you saying, there's a possibility that there are things that I'm doing either intentionally or not intentionally that are harming people. And I need to be serious about it. Yeah, it definitely starts from the top down. And I like what you just said about paying black people. There is a, there is a cons, uh, idea that black people should be doing all this work for free. You know, let me pick your mind. Let me hit work on this project. That's been the say, idea since the history of our yeah, country. Yeah, black it's always been like that. <laughs> we done doing work for free. And so, you know, you if you contact right. me and say, hey, Jessica, I want you to speak on, you know, this, that, and the other, you got to pay me because my work is valuable. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, it, mm-hmm. and, and the reason why we have to say that is because if we keep doing this work for free, it's going to be devalued. And mm-hmm. we can't mm-hmm. just, you know, we're busy. We have lives. Our work is meaningful. Our work is valuable. And we should be compensated for that accordingly. I mean, women mm-hmm. and people of color get that a lot. You know, where our work is devalued, there's an assumption that we have to work for free or at a discounted rate. Or, and, you know, people get very put off when they say, hey, no, you have to pay me. You know, you want to talk to me? You gotta, I'm not going to just 
you know, let you pick my mind for free. So right. I mean, that's also really important. And then again, going back to leadership, leadership really has to take an active role in making sure that they're acknowledging that, you know, Black employees are bringing in a lot of baggage, you know, dealing with yeah, a lot of absolutely. outside forces too, you know, and we're, you know, very stressed and we're dealing, we, we have a racist president, we have, you know, racist administration. Um, there's, there's been a lot of hate crimes happening to us, all, you know, always have been, but we're bringing in a lot of emotional baggage into our jobs. And so there needs to be an understanding as to what we're going through because we don't move through the same spaces in corporate America the same way. And we need to have room and have resources just for us to allow us to, to be, to thrive and be successful in these spaces. And mm -hmm. A lot of these companies just don't get that. <laughs> yeah, and, and as you're naming that, it's making me reflect back on what we were talking about around allyship. Like, mm -hmm. an ally in that moment steps up and says the things that we can't always say mm -hmm. because because it's still a racist, you know, organization. So, like, allies need to be the ones saying, "Hey, if Lauren is going to come talk about this, then like we need to pay Lauren." That's an ally is like saying, "Like, I'm ready to be deployed." Um, and I'm going to step up and ask to be deployed in those moments. And I'm going to say the thing because I know that I have the ear of the CEO and I recognize the privilege that I'm walking in. Those are the things that people who aspire to be allies do. Yeah. They put themselves on the line and they have to be right. willing to be vulnerable just the same way as we are. Um, another right. thing, too, is companies got to be very careful. Not every black person is a DNI expert. I see that a lot. Black people That's are like, true. yeah, we, we're not black people can't be the representatives for everything. That's also stressful, especially if you're the only black person in your company. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'm already at work. I'm, I'm already dealing with all of this. I can't take that on. And that's okay. You know, I've, I've had a lot of black people message me privately to talk about the issues that they're going through because they can't do it publicly. Black mental health matter. And we, we have to respect that not everyone has the same opportunities. They're not in the same space or the same experience and, and may not even want to. You know, we, yep. we're not... We're not a, a hive-minded people. We are a mosaic, and we all have our different views and, you know, ideas of what works for us, and we have to respect that. And companies will do that. They'll get that one Black person and be like, okay, you are our DNI expert. Tell us what we need to right. do to stop being racist. And it's like, uh, <laughs> I just want to work. I'm not here for all that. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, you yeah. know, get someone who's professional and knows what they're doing and hire them. Um, yes. And I think companies also need to be held accountable. Like one example I think of off the top of my head is Starbucks. You know, that's always, always my yeah. go-to company. You right. know, they did that race together um, initiative where they were having your barista talk to you about race. And then they had issues with their diversity board and just, you know, a lot of problems. And it was like, you need to be, you need to be called out too. Because you weren't always the most sensitive when it came to race relations and understanding of race. <laughs> so, Lauren, you are the mm -hmm. new CEO of Professional Dimensions. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. I'm you. a member of um, Professional Dimensions as well. So, in your new role, how do you see yourself um, incorporating Black Lives Matter and the, the um, what they stand for into Professional Dimensions or you know, how do you hope to integrate professional dimensions within Milwaukee, especially, you know, the north side and Milwaukee being very hyper segregated yeah. and professional dimensions is a great organization, but for a long time, you know, it's been mostly professional white women. It's been, you know, they, they're working mm -hmm. on getting women of color, but what do you see mm -hmm. as your role there in trying to uh, fix some of those issues? 
Yeah, I um. So as far as like how it gets integrated, like I think that's well, one that's one of the many many reasons why um why it's so important to put black people in positions of leadership because there are so many things that come with that, and one of them is every platform I have, every conversation I have, I'm bringing this with me. So like that's something that didn't exist before. Maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't it unless it was like really intentional, but like you're talking to a black woman that's leading an organization and there's, that's like automatically going to be a part of the conversation as we're thinking about how we develop also by way of just connecting with members and membership um, and really understanding people's purpose and and desires behind their membership um, and realizing to me that, that we're all linked together in our desire to form a sisterhood, to form a network, um, to get advice, to develop ourselves as leaders, um, to, to, to develop ourselves as systems thinkers, um and all of that must exist with the with an equity lens and with the justice lens and so i think one of the strengths that i have is the ability to really listen to people and understand that sometimes we're talking about black lives matter but we're using a different language and when you join an organization like this you're signing up to be reflective you're signing up to be in community um you're signing up to be in conversation and those are all the things to me that are necessary we're talking about um advancing this movement together and collectively so I, I, I think that that's a major piece that's just going to naturally be ingrained in like our work, which it's all, they've already been um, doing some great things around the, the conversation circles and connecting members with folks that they don't know and creating um, natural relationships and um, across, across color lines. Um, so kind of how I'm thinking about it and um, keeping an ear to the ground and making sure that I'm translating and bringing in information as it needs to be um, to the right people at the right times. Okay. Well, perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really excited about seeing how you grow and evolve in your new role with Thank professional you. dimension. So um, it's really nice to see someone who I've known for a number of years do, you know, being really successful. And I just love that. I love seeing people that I know and went to school with making it happen. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, um, Laura, I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to speak with me. So where can folks find you? Everywhere. <laughs> Um, Lauren at professionaldimensions.org is my email if you want to reach out that way. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Lauren Feaster. Those are probably the best ways. My number, um, 414-581-920. Oh, your phone number. You're giving that out. Okay. Yeah. Anybody. Hey, I'm, I'm reachable. Um, and I'm every, I really am everywhere and I'm ready to talk to anybody. I'm charged up. I got, I, I have time and energy to have the conversation. I have the patience and time to have those conversations. And I feel like that's what I want to lean into. Okay. Well, again, Lauren, um, thank you so much for coming on. And again, like I said, I'm very excited to see what you do. Thank you. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us this week on Blackness in the Workplace, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you found it very enjoyable and informative. Um, Please connect with us online, www.blacknessintheworkplace.com for more information, to become a member, to enter the tea room, and to connect and build community. Also, we are on social media. So we are on Facebook, um, Blackness in the Workplace. We are on LinkedIn. We are on Twitter as well as Instagram. So if you go to our website and you look in the right-hand corner, you'll see all our social media links. So follow us however you prefer. Thank you again for listening to this week's episode. Until the next week, remember our experiences matter.